Hello and welcome to Checked Out. We're broadcasting from Euclid Public Library in beautiful Euclid, Ohio. I'm Casey Armstrong, Director of the Library. And I'm Mike Stein, Assistant Manager of Adult Services. We talk about our favorite books, movies, services, and events with our favorite people and our favorite community. Each podcast will feature a theme. Today, we're talking about books that will be turned into television shows and movies sometime this year. Our special guest is EPL's Adult Services Manager, Carla Bowman. Carla, thanks for joining us. Thank you very much for having me. So we've decided you're the expert on television shows and movies based on books. And the standard line about that is that the book is always better than the movie. So in your opinion, is that true? So that's funny because I think years ago I would have answered that absolutely the book is always better than the movie. But in years, recent years, I've just seen a lot more um, respect for the author's original author's vision. And they've done some amazing things with movies anymore. So I really I'm not going to give you a yes or no on that answer. I'm going to say it just depends. Um, I was thinking about this question, though, and think about how much time you spend reading a book. You could spend six to 10 hours reading a book and a movie is only two hours. So I do think it's a completely different experience and a more a fuller experience to read the book. Um, of course, it takes so much longer to make the movie. It takes you know, days and many days and um, a lot of time and number of people to make to make a movie and it's over in just a couple of hours. So it's really a very different experience. Um, I did want to mention a um, move a certain genre that I feel like they don't get right a lot of times and that's thrillers in movies. For example, there's a new movie coming out. Um, well, it's out by now. It's called No Exit by Taylor Adams. It was a really wonderful book. It is, um, I love the setup. It's about a young college student uh, named Darby. She's driving through a blizzard to get to her mother who is very ill. And she has to pull off from this remote highway in the middle of the Colorado Rockies. So she goes into a rest area and in the rest area, there's a vending machine, coffee machine, and there's four strangers. So this is rather awkward. Now they're snowed in together and she's with these strangers, but she, she's desperate to call home. So she goes outside and is trying to get um, a cell phone uh, signal. And so she's kind of wandering around the outside of the, the rest area and she looks over and she sees in a van uh, a little girl. And she's just left in this van and she's in some a lot of distress. And it's very clear that she's been she's not there of her own free will. And so the girl is is panicking. Um, our, our, our Darby doesn't know what to do. And so she um, has to figure out how to how to solve this problem. She has to rescue the girl. But she also knows that one of those people in the rest area owns this vehicle. And so she has to figure out what to do. So um, I'm really excited to see that it's it's out on film film now. It's on Hulu. And um, I'm just curious to see how they'll get uh, that kind of story um, and if it'll be done the way I think it should be done. Carla, you mentioned that um, it's a different experience between reading a book and watching the film. You specifically mentioned that it, usually it'll take about six hours. So the person who's reading the book, you get to really know these characters. It's almost like they become friends. And so that is, I think, the major attachment and why we get excited to see movies or TV adaptations uh, about our favorite books. So. Um, as we think about that, and you mentioned No Exit by Taylor Adams, 
Are there any other movie or TV adaptations that you're looking forward to coming out this year? Yes, and, and it's been delayed, I think, once, but I'm really excited by the book, Daisy Jones and the Six. It came out a couple years ago, and um, it is a really wonderful story. Um, it's about a fictitious, legendary rock band, and the main character is Daisy Jones. She's grows up in the 60s and 70s. She's a bit of a free spirit. She's got a big personality and an amazing voice. And she is starting to get some attention in the music industry. So she puts out a couple of albums, but she's not really, you know, she has modest success. At the same time, there's another band, a rock band that is getting started. Um, it's called The Six, and it's run by Billy Dunn, who's a bit of a brooding uh, musical genius. So um, some producer gets the wonderful idea to put these two together. So we have Daisy Jones and then we have the six who get together and they absolutely rocket to stardom. The, those two people have amazing chemistry on stage, on and off. Um, but the whole thing blows up one night at a concert um, at Chicago Stadium and the group splits forever. So this, again, is fictitious, but it's kind of the story of how this band, legendary band, rocketed to stardom and then, you know, um, split forever. Um, the author uh, wrote the book. She said she was inspired by the Fleetwood Mac, the real band from the 70s and 80s, and all the interpersonal drama that was happening between the different um, band members. So um, that was, I thought, made it a really interesting story. And also it's got a lot of 60s and 70s. Um, I, you know, I kind of grew up in that time. So it really was reminiscent for me. It was a really fun book. And um, one of the things, one of the reasons I think it will do well in a movie format is the way the book is written. It is written as oral history. So it is only dialogue. There are no, there's no blocks of narrative. There's no descriptions. It is purely people talking. And the, um, the author very nicely wove together the, um, the interviews to make it kind of conversational style. And I think that will leave a lot of room for the movie to make something new and fresh because all we know is the dialogue. We don't really know anything else. So I'm really looking forward to that, that story. If you'd like to read it before it comes out on video, you can find that on Hoopla ebook and in audio format and also in Libby in ebook and audiobook format. The one I'm looking forward to coming out sometime this year, don't know exactly when. Uh, and it was filmed in and around Cleveland. It's called White Noise by Don DeLillo, which I don't think there's a whole lot that happens in the book. It follows a college professor, a year in the life. And mm -hmm. one big event that happens, in it, there's a train derails in his little college town and spreads, uh, you know, noxious fumes all over the town. But uh, since that was filmed around Cleveland, Shaker Heights, uh, Overland, it'll be interesting to see how that looks see what the characters look like, uh, see how they make Cleveland look. And one author that has kind of been overlooked during her lifetime, but has recently been getting a lot of attention and turning some of her material into television and movies, uh, Octavia Butler. She won many Hugo and Nebula Awards and was the first science fiction writer to win a MacArthur Fellowship. She died in 2006 and never received the mainstream accolades many others did. And now her work is being gobbled up for both movies and television with 
Kindred coming out as a series soon, and The Parable of the Sower being optioned by A24 for a movie. So what about the book Kindred did you like, and do you plan to watch the movie? I would love to watch the movie. It sounds um, really good, and the book was was excellent. It was published in 1979, and it is about a young Black woman named Dana living in California. And the prologue actually starts the book with Dana in the hospital and her arm has been amputated and not by the hospital staff. So something has happened to this poor woman and the the police are there and they're asking her a lot of questions. How did this happen to you? Are you being abused? What, What kind of trauma did you did you suffer? And she cannot tell the truth because the truth is unbelievable. The truth is she keeps being dragged back in time to um, a plantation in pre-Civil War Maryland. And she meets her ancestors who are enslaved. She also meets the enslaver uh, who's a planter, his name's Rufus, and he's also her great, great grandfather. Um, And so she has no control over this. She just keeps getting swept back in time at key moments in the history of this place and at key moments in the life of Rufus. And you asked what I what I liked about it. And it's really an amazing story because it has both very serious issues and themes in it, the theme of slavery, um, and human rights, women's rights. But along with that, it has also has a really exciting and gripping time travel story with a bit of historical adventure on the side. So like you say, the author is very clim- critically acclaimed. She's an award-winning author. I believe this is uh, going to be on FX when it finally comes out. And it was also made into a graphic novel. I know you order the graphic novels, Mike. So um, it might be something, if, if even if you're not interested in the book, you can look at it in that format as well. And this is available on both Hoopla and on Libby. So, Carla, a lot of times when I'm talking to family and we're talking about movies that we want to go see, I'll typically mention, oh, yeah, that was a book or, oh, yeah, I read that book. And they get real irritated with me. But I say so many of our movies come from uh, a book. I I hate to ruin it for them, but that's the truth. So what advice do you uh, want to share for those who find out that their um, a movie that they were looking forward to is was actually a book first, or even vice versa. Well, I I would prefer to read the book before I watch the movie myself, but I do think they're very different experiences, like we were talking about earlier. Um, I think the book is. You, you get a fuller view of the story if you read the book than if you just watch the movie. So I would I would recommend that. Um, and I think it's better to watch to read the book first and then to watch the movie second. So um, I confess I don't watch a lot of movies, but I do read a lot of books <laughs> um, and I'm more likely to see a movie if I've already read the book, because then I, I might hear about it and that it's being made into a movie. And so I do take another look at the book. Um, to see if it's something I'd like to read. Casey, I bet there's a lot of movies like that they don't even know were made into or were written as books first, like Jaws, Forrest Gump, yes. Jurassic Park. That's a whole franchise and a new Jurassic Park coming out. Michael Crichton wrote the original Jurassic Park. Princess Bride, 
that was a book originally. So there's all kinds of books that are made into movies and none people forget about the books, whether the books were- Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So just tell your family that. They, they probably watched plenty of movies that were books that they loved and didn't even know. So Carla, if you, if you have read a book and then find out it has already been made into a movie, do you then want to watch the movie? It certainly piques my interest because um, I would want to, you know, see what was, you know, so special about it that they decided to make it into a movie. Um, there's one coming out this this year. Um, it's a remake or a adaptation of the book All Quiet on the Western Front by Eric Maria Remark. This was made into an Academy, um, I'm sorry, an Academy Award winner movie back in 1930. And then it was made into a TV movie in 1979. But um, it's a basic like anti-war novel. It's probably the first one set during World War One, And it shows the effect of soldiers um, who are going through the war and how, how terribly damaging uh, a war is. Um, the author himself was a German soldier. But the book is fictitious and it is he has a main character is Paul Balmer. He's a German soldier and he and his friends get caught up in the patriotism. So they, you know, enlist in, in the war, but they're soon facing the brutality of, of, of the war, the trench warfare. Um, and the book actually opens a bit later. And it's really more of a day in the life type story. It's soldiers who are trying to survive. They're frequently hungry. They're often bored. They're afraid. They have experience extreme violence. And the author said he was trying to um, tell of a generation of men who, even though they may have escaped the shells of the war, were destroyed by the war. And so I think there's a lot of interest in that time right now. It's about 100 years ago. And, you know, with a pandemic, the COVID pandemic that we're going through, there's a lot of comparisons between, you know, 1920s um, and and what we're currently going through. Um, it's if you want to read this book, it's short. It's considered a classic. It came out in 1929, so it's very close, closely written in time for the actual events. And um, I believe this one's due to come out on Netflix. A couple of years ago, I had the opportunity to meet a new author um, whose book was turned into a book. So the process, I think, can be really fascinating when an author is creating. Um, I'm not sure that they're actually thinking about their book being turned into a movie, but I got to meet Angie Thomas, who wrote The Hate You Give, which was a really popular movie a couple years ago. Um, but my question to you, Carla, is do you have a favorite book that hasn't been made into a movie or TV show? that you think should be? So as I was looking through the list of books that are coming out as movies in 2022, I ran across yet another um, version of uh, a Jane Austen book. And I love Jane Austen. I'm not, I'm not really dinging Jane Austen, but the um, other, the movie that they're going to adapt is Persuasion. It's really a very nice story. It's, um, it's similar in a lot of ways to Pride and Prejudice that everyone has, has seen so many times, but it's it's a little different. We have an older heroine. Uh, we have this couple that met and you know had feelings for each other, but her older uh, friend, who was a friend of her mother, persuades Anne Elliot, the woman, that she can do better. So she breaks up with the care the 
Frederick Wentworth, her, her um, beau. And he, you know, he goes off heartbroken. He joins the Navy and becomes very successful. He uh, gets some money. He has a successful naval career. And the book opens seven years later when uh, Frederick Wentworth comes back to town. He's a captain now. And he and Jane kind of, you know, reignite their relationship. So it's really a wonderful story. But as I was, I was thinking about this, there have just been so many Jane Austen book remakes. The woman only wrote six full-length novels, but yet there have been six films, at least, of Pride and Prejudice and five TV series of Pride and Prejudice. And that doesn't even count all the other um, versions or adaptations of her other books that she's she's written. So, um, so to answer back to your question, a favorite book um, that hasn't been made into a movie or TV show, I would say there's a whole genre of books out there that have not been given enough. You know, the content has not been made into movies or TV shows. So that would be historical romance. So if, if it seems like whenever we want this type of story, we're going to Jane Austen. But there are tons of books out there. There are um, many authors who have published a lot of, um, you know, ro- historical romance set in kind of the same time, the same feel. And I'm very happy to see that's why when the Pr- uh, Bridgerton series came out last year, I was so happy to see that they're now making movies out of those types of stories. Yeah, I think Bridgerton and isn't the Outlander series kind of in that genre? And both of those are very successful television shows as well as books. Yeah, Outlander was, um, it's a pretty old book actually, but it's similar. It's got time travel elements, but it's very similar as far as it's a historical romance and adventure type story. So that would fall, fall in this category as well. Started by asking if the book is always better than the movie, and I can tell you a couple that are the movie or TV show is better than the book, even though the book is pretty good. The Godfather, of course. Um, when the book came out, it's hugely successful. I think it was on the New York Times bestseller list for more than a year, but then that movie is considered the best of all time, if not the best, then one of the best of all time, and has sequels, and they're still talking about it 50 years later. And The Leftovers was one of the best television series but I think it's been made in recent years. And the book, I did read the book and it's kind of underwhelmed by the book, but I just love that television show. So I think those the TV show and the book, there's a couple examples where the, uh, where the movie or TV show is better than the book. Well, I have to say too, Mike, um, if you're uh, a children's book reader, I thought the Harry Potter series movies were better than the books because you actually saw the action You saw the special effects. And even though the books explained it, I think seeing it on TV, uh, on the big screen, so to say, uh, was just much more exciting, intriguing. Um, But of course, in order to understand a lot of Harry Potter, you have had you you have to read the books because otherwise you won't know all the little nuances and what some of the things mean. But I thought that seeing it on the big screen was a much better experience. And then the Game of Thrones, I guess you could have people arguing both ways for it. Especially oh, with absolutely, Mike. Absolutely, because I was getting ready to say the Game of Thrones. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, because I think it's, it's depending on which book it is. Uh, yeah, you'll have a bunch of us going back and forth over which one was the better one. 
I don't know if either of you saw the Umbrella Academy, but those are based off of graphic novels. And so they really made this multi-series episodes of that series. I don't know, maybe maybe you've read it, Mike, but it's really a wonderful um, series, a fantasy series. Yeah, I've never read any of the graphic novels, but I did watch some of the television show. And it's always interesting what they make the characters look like or the world look like. I think that's one of the top reasons people want to see the movie, just to see, all right, do these actors look like how I imagine them in the book? Are they doing the things the way that I thought it would look like? Things like that. So if they don't get the look right, then you're already batting way behind to start with. So you got to just get the people to look like you imagine them in the books. But uh, but back to your question, a favorite book that hasn't been made into a movie or TV show. I did want to also mention the Agatha Christie books. Those have been made into um, movies. Um, Murder on the Orient Express came out, I think, a couple years ago now. And um, Death on the Nile is the new one. It's about a young, rich woman who's recently married and she goes on a cruise down the Nile. And Hercule Poirot is also on that um, cruise, and he's this brilliant detective. And so murder happens, of course, and Poirot has to figure it all out and and solve it. And um, it's really a classic locked room mystery novel. And so it's locked room because there's a limited number of suspects. It's in an isolated location on this cruise going down the River Nile. And um, I think... Magatha Christie was a lot of people's introduction to mystery novels. I know she was mine. Um, this book was published in 37, but she has been, you know, really um, was her books have had a long lives. So I'm really glad to see that a, a brand new audience is going to be able to um, enjoy her stories. And uh, that's coming out or it's already out by now. I'm sure. Death on a Nile by Agatha Christie. Well, one I would like to see, and I think it could be made into a good long television series because it's a series of books and probably not the best topic for everybody at this time. A book called One Second After by William Portion and an EMP is set off over the United States, which destroys all the electrical equipment there is. So basically the United States is turned back into, you know, pre-industrial age because Nothing works. Cars don't work. Uh, computers don't work. Everything like that doesn't work. So it focuses on one little community in North Carolina where they seem to have a uh, they they seem to kind of luck out with the way they are situated geographically. They're in a small community. They're able to you know get together and and get food and just work together. So um, that book is really good. And it spawned a series of three books, which progressively got worse. But the, they could make a long television series out of that, I think. And it was post-apocalyptic, and we've kind of been living through those type of things over the last couple of years. Nowhere near as bad as that, but uh, I still enjoy those type of books. Station Eleven just was put out on a television show, which was about a. Uh, and I love the book; it's one of the best books I've ever read. Um, but it was about a pandemic that actually did wipe out 98% of the people on earth or something like that. So that was a true pandemic in that book, but I still like reading those things, even though we've gone through our own pandemic over the last couple of years. 
Well, I'm such a nonfiction reader as is, so I don't feel like any, most of the titles that I am reading are about real life situations of real life people. So I don't want any of those things to be made into a movie, Mike. <laughs> oh, for the fake disasters. <laughs> Well, Carl, sounds, thanks. What were you going to say? I was just going to say that sounds like a good book, that one second after. I'm, as yeah. we're talking, I'm, I'm making a list. Yeah, I really did enjoy that book. And then there's two sequels. And like I said, they get progressively worse because you just got to come up with more outlandish ideas. But the first one is really good. So, well, Carla, thanks for joining us and giving us some good recommendations for the year for both reading the books and watching the shows or movies. I think a couple of those I'm going to grab. Yeah, thanks for having me. I really enjoyed um, talking about books. I, I uh, want to just encourage everyone to read the book before you see the movie. And you can find our uh, books both in person in the library or if you're at home, you can look on Hoopla and use the Libby app to find both ebooks and audiobooks. There's ebooks and audiobooks of almost all the books I talk to. So if you're an audiobook listener, you know, that's an option for you as well. But um, thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate the chance to chat with you guys. Thank you, Carla. It was great learning more about the upcoming books that are being made into movies. And now, the news you cannot use. Now it's time for the library news you cannot use. Casey, we might need to start treasure hunting at Yukon Public Library. A poster on the Reddit website claims to have stashed $100 worth of Bitcoin at a library somewhere in Europe, according to Cointelegraph.com. The Redditor says he put the private and public keys to unlock the Bitcoin, along with the letter explaining it, in a letter which was then stashed in a time capsule at the unidentified library. None of us will ever know the end of this story. The time capsule is to be stored for 100 years. Who knows what the Bitcoin will be worth in 2122? Mike, we have a spoiler alert. A Chicago librarian ended the reign of Jeopardy! champion Amy Snyder, who recently racked up the show's second longest winning streak at 40 games. Ron Talzma, a multimedia librarian, at Chicago Ridge Library aced the final Jeopardy answer, while Snyder finished 34 wins away from Ken Jennings' all-time record winning streak, Talzma's win streak never materialized. He lost the next game. And that's the library news you cannot use. Thanks for listening to Checked Out. We hope you will tune in next time. You can learn more about Euclid Library by stopping by or going to our website, euclidlibrary.org.